You know, I've had people tell me since this fall that I should take the elevator and not the steps often. And some said, well, I wish you didn't take those stairs. Well, I've not figured out another way to get up here yet unless I ask people to carry me up. And I'm sure that I could find people to carry me up if I needed to. But let's just let me walk for just a little bit longer. Amen. Good to see everybody here. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. When you get there, you can go to verse 19. Hebrews 10, 19. When you get there, you're going to find, if you want to look in that pew Bible, it's on page 1,380. It's down at the bottom right-hand corner there. But we will read Scripture here in just a few minutes. In August of this past year, so that would be August of 2022, I was called to appear for the very first time on jury duty. I don't know how many of you have been called to participate in jury duty, but I made it all these years, and I had the, probably the same expression that most people probably have is, oh, jury duty. And I thought, well, surely I'll just get out of it. And I thought about it, but my day came, and, and I walked in, and if you've done it, I don't know if it's changed, but I walked in, and they said, what is your name? And, and I told them, and they asked me to pick a number out of a box, and I picked a random number out of a box. And they said, your number's 17. And I'm going, they said, okay, sign here, and you can make your way into the courtroom. What I later found out is that there were two 17s in the box as there were two every number in the box. And had somebody picked number 17 before I got there, they would have been escorted into the courtroom. I would have drawn the second 17, and I would have been randomly told I could go home. So I was lucky. I drew the first 17. And I go in through the process, and they teach about jury duty and the responsibility about jury duty and the importance about jury duty. And those of you who are shaking your head, you're going, yeah, we've been there before. They even talked about how in jury duty, it's such an important thing that we don't take just any old excuse for you not to be able to do it. So I couldn't just pull out any number of reasons that I could come up with because then I wouldn't take and fulfill my responsibility. Then they go through the jury striking process where they ask a bunch of questions and talk a bunch of things and then all of a sudden they pass through and both sides of the legal counsel can say, we don't want this one, we don't want this one, we don't want this one. And so a group that started to be about 60 started getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I started looking around going, oh, I figured this game out. I'm going to get selected. And sure enough, I get selected. The only problem with that process is, is that in the process of being selected, I had missed the opportunity because I didn't understand it well enough to be able to tell them I couldn't because as a pastor, I had a funeral the next day. At the time, when I walked in, I'm not thinking, we're, no, they're going, no, we're starting jury duty. We're going to start this court proceeding right after lunch. And I'm going, oh, that's a problem. Well, I was selected already. I'm going, but I can't do this because I can't miss this funeral. And so I have to contact the court, and I have to appear before the judge and all of the legal counsel 
where they then make me explain why I now need to not be on active jury duty. And I told them, and they were very good about it. They said, you, could, you should have said this in this time in the proceeding or that time in the proceeding. But when you get to this far, it's actually court record that Jeff Rasnick was selected as a jury. And then it's court record that I had to appear before the judge and both sides of counsel and then have them agree to, to release me from jury duty. And it's, it's interesting because while I was sitting there for jury duty and going through all the process, what I walked in going, oh, I don't want to do this, I found extremely compelling, interesting, well thought out, logical. And the fact that I couldn't do it, I was actually disappointed in the end that I was going to have to step out because I understood the value and the importance of being there. But, you know, it's an interesting thing that I knew beforehand that I told you I was called for jury duty. Well, I wasn't called for jury duty. They didn't call me and go, hey, Jeff, would you like to think about being on jury? No, I was summoned. I was summoned. Now, I understand that's a pretty big word, and I was summoned to appear. The word summoned can be defined as this. A demand, a call to attend, authoritatively or urgently called to be present. Well, then I found this other issue as I was reading down legally. There's also this term called failure to appear. Failure to appear according to Tennessee code, and I'm probably not going to get all of them right. I just picked this one because it, it met the need. But Tennessee Code 40-6-215 says that failure to appear can result in fines, being held in contempt of court, arrest, and even jail time. And I'm going, all because I didn't show up for jury duty? What I found out is that all of those people who didn't show up for jury duty, they all got a visit that day. The court sent the sheriff's department to their house. When you don't appear... When you are summoned, it's a problem. I was not able, as I said, even after I was selected, to just say, I'm not going to do this any longer. No, they had to allow me to leave. Today we continue our sermon series, and you're getting ready to go. Where are you getting ready to go with this? We continue our sermon series, Why I, Why I Go to Church. And you're going, Jeff, you're preaching to the choir. Literally, I would have had they stayed up here. But you're going, Jeff, you can just cut this sermon short because we're here. Hang on to that thought just a few minutes as we talk about what God's Word has to say about why I... Don't you love how we're picking on me all these weeks? We all know that God's picking at all of us, right? Why I... So I ask you to stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19 through verse 25. Hebrews 10, picking up in verse 19, reads as follows. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, 
through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Thank you, church. You may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We're going to walk back through here, and if you're a note taker, I'm not going to be turning a lot of places this morning because we've seen how that's gone the last few weeks, but I've got scripture that I've already got in my notes that I'll read to you so you can write them down and make good notes because I want to say, let me make sure I say this correctly, I have nothing to say this morning, nothing, but I believe that the Word of God and the Spirit of God has a great deal to say to the people of God this morning. So I'm going to hope you're going to want to take some notes and write some stuff down. Verse 19 starts with, therefore. And I have learned that every time I see the word, therefore, I need to take some time to figure out why it's therefore. There you go. Because of what's just been said, if we were to go back and read in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 18, the author of Hebrews is calling us to these actions that we're told about in the verses that we just read. The reason for these actions, if we just look at verse 19, because of the blood of Jesus, because of verse 20, the new and living way he created for us, Verse 21, because he has granted us access directly to God. Hebrews has just talked about the sufficiency of Jesus being the Savior in Hebrews chapter 10. Leading up to this therefore in verse 19, and then it goes on in 19, 20, and 21 and restates the gospel for us because of the blood of Jesus, because of the new and living way of Jesus, because of the access that Jesus has created for us. Otherwise, this therefore that the author of Hebrews is saying in chapter 10 and 19 is because of the gospel. Now, in Sunday school this morning, we talked about how God speaks through the conviction how the Holy Spirit speaks through conviction. And we had a great conversation. Do you know that, you know what we need to preach? Not just me, but what we need to preach as it's our own lives that we live out. We need to preach the gospel. Some people have said, well, why do you preach the gospel if everybody in the church already knows Jesus as their Savior? You're preaching to the choir, which they mean you're going, you don't need to be telling me this. Well, I believe that in the church are many people who do not yet know Jesus. They might make a claim. They might have walked an aisle. They might have made a statement and said a prayer. But as I've said the last few months, they may say that they know Jesus. But here's the important thing. Does Jesus know you? Matthew chapter 7. And so the gospel is this tool. But I also believe that not only do we need to preach the gospel every Sunday because maybe some who think they have it don't have it, every Sunday we have people walking in or logging on 
that have never heard the gospel before. Do you know we will never go wrong, church, in preaching the gospel? And so the author of Hebrews has said, because of what Jesus has done. And then we begin to build on these activities. Look at verse 22. We are called to draw near by faith. We are to draw near to God as an expression of our personal devotion. This action, this coming, this presenting of ourselves is rooted in our faith in Jesus and the access that we now have to the Father. Did you know that we're getting ready to build to Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. He's stating the case beforehand of the therefore of why we should be coming together. If he states in 25, don't forsake it, in verses 22, 23, and 24, he's telling you why you should be doing it. And the number one thing in verse 22 is because it's an act of faith. Verse 23 says we are called to hold fast the confession of our hope. We are called to live in a way that prioritizes our hope and allows that hope that we have in Christ to come through our lives. We are to live in a way that pleases God. So this author says that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because of the gospel. And because of the gospel, we should be living our lives out in faith, verse 22. Living our lives out in the hope of our confession, verse 23. And in verse 24, it says, we are called to consider one another to stir up love and good works. As followers of Christ, we're called to love. We've mentioned this two or three times just in this sermon series. Did you notice we talked about faith, and then we talked about hope, and then you get to verse 24, you talk about love. And the way that we are to love, do you notice that? To consider one another. That's exactly the teaching of Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Faith. And love your neighbor as yourself. Faith, hope, and love. And it says that we are to consider one another, which means that one of the reasons that you're here is because of the faith of what's happened in your life because you came to know Christ. One of the reasons that you're here is for your hope. What you believe now changes the way you live your life, and you're going, this is where I desire to be, the assembling together. But then this third part, this love part says, I have to come to church because of somebody else? And that what it just said? Consider one another. It doesn't just say consider one another, but consider one another to stir up love and good works. It makes a difference that you are here. It makes a difference. This scripture talks about our faith, our hope, and our love. Church, that's the backbone of the commitment that God has shown us through Christ and the commitment that we have made by accepting Jesus as our Savior. So you get into verse 25, where we are additionally challenged. Remember, I've told you that we therefore are to do these things because of our faith and our hope and our love. But then the author of Hebrews turns around and says in verse 25, 
to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 25 says that we are to exhort one another. Did you see that there's a value there of you being here and it is beyond your faith, beyond your hope. Those will what drive it, but it's your love that will cause you to also be here to exhort one another. Just imagine, let's just overplay this exhorting, this encouraging, this being here for one another thing. I've mentioned to you years ago, it's now been 10 years ago, when I was first stepping into this pulpit, that I would preach on Thursday afternoons right here with microphone to no one. And it was not as fun as you think it might be. Preaching to no one? That's tough. I'm glad you're here. Right? It makes it more fun for me when you're here. I pray that you're glad you're here. But then if we go back just three short years ago, where we for a period of time, for a 13-week period of time to be exact, we chose to meet uh, online only. Again, here we are seven years later, and I'm standing in here preaching literally to no one in the room, but knowing that there were people online. Not the same. Being together is good. Now, if you're with us right now because you are online on YouTube, or if you're online on um, Facebook, or if you're on the phone with us, here's what I found. We used to have many, many people that would attend via electronic streaming manners. And then there came the appropriate time that they came up with, and they said, that's time for me to be back. And when they came back, they're going, I am so glad that we had those alternative beings of joining. But I can tell you this, it's not the same. Church, can I tell you that it's not the same as being here? And so to, to, to those of you that are streaming with us or on the phone right now, I'm glad that you're here. And I pray that you're here that way because you can't be here any other way currently. And I want to encourage you, both in the room and online, that every time you can physically be here together, you should be. That's the better way of being together. God's Word calls believers to regularly meet together as part of building our faith, our hope, and our love. I uh, was provided this statement. Many of us believe that church is a place we go. Scripture will teach you that church is who you are. So please do not let me cause you to mislead anything in Scripture. I'm not here because of a building. When we talk about the church, we're not talking about this great facility that the Lord has blessed us with. When we talk about the church, and we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes, we're talking about followers of Christ. We're talking about Christians. We're talking about those who have come to know Christ. The church is not a place you go. The church is who you are.
So let me just, if you're going to jot these down, I told you I've got these scriptures written down, but Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 to 18, reads like this, and this is Jesus. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus always intended to build his church, his followers, his faithful people coming together. And what he was waiting on is for people to identify with him, and Peter said, you're the Christ. Jesus said, you're right, and it's that profession of faith that I will build the church on, that I will build and gather the people of God for, so that your faith, your hope, and your love, so that your building up and your edification can happen. Jesus said, that's what I'm going to do. There's always been, a, in the plan of God through Christ, the assembling of the believers. Write this scripture down, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. Now this is after Pentecost, right after it. It said, then those, who had gladly, then those who gladly received his word, Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, if I didn't say that, who gladly received his word, that's the preaching of Peter, about the gospel, were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly, in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Church, did you see that when they came to know Jesus, when they were redeemed by faith, they didn't have to be told, now you go over there every Sunday for 45 minutes of Sunday school and a 60, 70, you know, last week I know I preached a little long, I was talking to somebody in nursery, and they said this to me. I was talking to them on Monday. They said, yes, I was in nursery for both services. <laughs> Sometimes God just has a lot he wants to say. But you find out that in Acts chapter 2, as people were coming to know Jesus, as the Holy Spirit was now involved in the life of a believer, they were drawn together. Drawn together, it says here in this scripture, for doctrine, the teaching of God's word, for fellowship, the encouraging and walking together in life, in the breaking of bread. They were eating together and they were communing in the ordinances of God's family together and in prayers. They were together. And then if you keep on reading there, they were together in the church. And then when they weren't together in the church, they were together in the homes. Now I'm here to tell you that I'm not related but one person in this room. And that's Angela. 
Do you guys think it's going to be somebody else? <laughs> but let me tell you, and we're going to make a point here in just a minute. Many, many, many of you have been my family for over 25 years. You see, Angela and I, since 1992, first part of 93, we've never lived near family. The church has always been our family. Many of you, we've grown up together. We've raised kids together. And now we're all starting to share in all the benefits of what happens as we get older together. Some good and some not so good. But we're doing it together. And I believe that God's Word tells us that we should study the Word together, share together, walk together, fellowship together. That's the image. And look at the beautiful thing. That example of the church being together in life made them appealing to the world. Just notice what it said right there at the end. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. Did you know that when we study doctrine, preach doctrine, when we fellowship together, when we serve together, when we pray together, when we eat together, we do all these things, God is growing us up as this body of believers. And that well-lived body of believers impacts those around us. Not so they go, oh, I want to come eat with you. No. So they, they say, I want to come know Jesus. It said that people were added to the church daily who were being saved. This caused the church to be effective. Now, God's Word has a lot to say about the importance and the value of the church, including each individual member. So I want to encourage you, if you're a note taker, write this down. I am not going to read. I'm going to summarize a couple of thoughts from a couple of chapters. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has a great deal to say about the body of believers. I'm praying that you will be so encouraged and so challenged after this that later today you're going to want to sit down and really just pour through this Scripture so that the Lord can continue to challenge you and encourage you in this regard. And as you do, you will see the following reminders as how you, a believer, are important. Important to the church of God, and I believe important to the local church, fellowship of believers. You will see that the Lord gives spiritual gifts to everyone, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7 says that each gift is given for the profit of all. For someone to say that I believe that God has gifted me, but I choose to just be at home. Well, you're wasting that gift. It was not given to you for your benefit. Scripture teaches it was given to you for the profit of all. It would say that the body is made up of many members. And verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 said that God has assembled those members together in a way that pleases Him. Did you catch that? When you come to know Jesus, when you are eternally redeemed, but you are also spiritually gifted and you are placed in a body of believers where you are called on to be profitable. That means active, helpful, 
present useful. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that when one suffers, we all suffer. It also says that when one is honored, we all rejoice. Scripture teaches that the body of believers, we go through it all together. Low and high. And every spot in between. See, I know that you all love me. Not because it's just some kind of thing that I, yeah, I know they love me. No. Since I failed, since all this happened, you've been tending to me. You've been praying for me. You've been, some of you, feeding me. Not by mouth. I've been able to so far feed myself. But you've been bringing food, cards, encouragement. You've been trying to remind me, Jeff, use the elevator. You've been going, Jeff, stay away from the edge. All of those things are acts of love that happen in a family of believers. All of that. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? I'm not getting ready to close, Zach, so don't get up. Sometimes when you turn right to the big invite, everybody goes, ooh, that was short. I'm still in the introduction. No, I'm kidding. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus to the point of your Savior that you know that He has gifted you for His glory and for the benefit of the church? Are you being faithful to where you have been placed? Remember, I didn't place you here. God did as it pleases Him. All glory to Him. All effort to Him. All priority to Him. Are you being faithful? One final place that I went, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you're going to want to go study that because I just gave you a couple of little bumps, but you're going to want to study it. Ephesians chapter 4, oh my goodness, it is such a great chapter. You're going to want to go study it. I just want to read verses 11 to 16. Ephesians chapter 4 and then on your notes, I'm going to read 11 to 16, but I want you to go read it all. Ephesians 4.11 says this, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children... Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. That is Christ. From whom the whole body, catch this church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective work, working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Did you catch that church? We have become equipped, encouraging, unified, mature, and faithful when we, the body, faithfully and correctly come together. The word body in verse 16 caught my attention. Now, I don't use a lot of, 
I don't use the English language perfectly well all the time. It's okay. I know it. But rarely do I bring in a lot of other languages. But the word for body in the Greek is ekklesia. You've probably heard that word before if you've been in church. Let me tell you what it means. It means congregation. That's a group of people. Ekklesia means church. That's a group of people. Catch this one. A gathering of those summoned. And I'm going, Lord, you're just cool. How you can draw me together. And then bring up the word summoned again in Scripture. I was attracted to the word summoned because of my jury duty experience from before. Let me tell you how. Go off script for just a second. That morning, earlier this week, every now and then you guys might get a text from me going, hey, I'm praying for you today or I'm doing this, that, and that. Well, the Lord lays people on my heart and I just reach out to them and I text them. Well, the Lord had me reach out to someone in the judicial branch of Bedford County. And I reached out to this person, unsure of why God would lay them on my heart, but I reached out to this person and their wife and told them I was praying for them, told them that the Lord had laid them on my heart, that I was seeking to be obedient. I'm not sure what God is doing today, but if I could walk with you in any way, please let me know. Came in, started reading Scripture, looked up Ecclesia, hear the word summoned. I'm going, God, you are too funny. You, you laid it on my heart earlier through a person, and now you're laying it on my heart through study. The word summoned. I knew that when I received my summons for jury duty, it wasn't a choice. I had to go. You get that, right? They come find you if you don't go. It wasn't a choice. It may not have been convenient, but I knew that if I ignored the summons, there would be a price to pay. Ecclesia, defined as those summoned. I'm afraid that many today view church as a choice, a place that you go. When Scripture has, teach, has taught us See, I told you that the English language will sometimes trip you up. That Scripture has been teaching us that church is not where you go. It's who you are. It's where we exercise our faith, hope, and love, use our giftedness, are obedient to Christ. It's good for us and it's helpful to others, and it leads people to Jesus. Tony Evans puts it this way. Believers who are not functioning part of a local church are living outside the will of God and limiting God's work in their lives. And you're going, well, Jeff, we're here. We get it. As you recall last week, I committed prior to our business meeting on Wednesday, I committed from the pulpit on Sunday morning that I would email everybody and text everybody in the church to give them all the agenda and the job descriptions and, 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 and do all that. So on Monday, I came in, and I knew that was one of the things I was going to do. And I did it. And while doing this, 
I don't have my phone with me, but if I called up my phone right now and I go into this app that's either on my computer or on my phone and I call it up, when I go to the group called FBC Church, which is everybody who has taken time to fill out the little yellow documents so that we get you into the system. Out beside that member's number is a number. The number was 693. 693 of you are in there. And I'm going, that's no way. I stand before you every week. I don't see 693 people. I'm going, well, we've really messed up our system. So I said, Katie, print me out a list of everybody. So I got a list of 693 names. I want to tell you, that this is that list. 693 names. And I'm expecting to go through here and go, well, that's not here, they're not here, they're not here, they're not here, they're not here, and find just literally hundreds of people that we've just got riding extra on the roll. 693 people I went through person by person, and I highlighted everybody that I had not seen since Thanksgiving, 60 days. That's a pretty long time. Even if you're sick, you tend to get back before then, right? 693, I highlighted 56 names. 56 names out of 693 names I had not seen in 60 days. For the math people in the room, that means that there's 637 people that I had seen by name within the last 60 days. 637 people. And you're going, Jeff, that's a lot. Yes, it's a lot. That's a whole lot. So then I had Joel count the number of people here today. In the nursery, security team, media team, children's church, in the room. If you're in this building, we got you. 353. 353. Let's do a little test right now. When I look at our church, I'm going, wow. That means that's like 270-ish people that I've seen in the last 60 days aren't here today. You could say that for every person who's here, there's somebody who's not. And they're not strangers. You know who they are. Somebody knows who all of them are, and they're not here. But the reality is, is that some of them were here last week when you weren't. See, this is the only way this works. We've been having some really good attendance, and on good Sundays, we've been, you know, 440. I mean, it's really great. 
but 637 makes it not so great. That means even on our really, really good Sundays. I woke up this morning, and it's funny. I had people texting me going, I'm sick today. I can't make it. I had people texting me, and I'm going, oh, it's raining. People aren't going to come. It's just the way we get. And I'm going, man, if they only knew that I was going to preach on, you should be in church. <laughs> you should be in church. Not because of what I say. But that's what Scripture says. So let me go back to why I come to church. I come to church because I've been redeemed by Jesus. I come to church because it increases my faith. I come to church because I have hope in the return of Christ. I come to church because I love you. I come to church because God's Word said I should. I am the summoned. If I know Jesus. I come to church because I've been gifted. That's not me pridefully saying I've got a gift. That's biblically true that God has gifted me as well as you, and I have been gifted to benefit this body of believers. I come to church because I want my testimony to be effective. I come to church so that God can be glorified. And I come to church because... I want to see others come to know Jesus as their Savior. Church, all of those just summarize the points I've been making through Scripture up to now. That's why I come to church. You are loved by God. He has plans for you. One of those plans, without question, this is not me having to stretch my understanding of the doctrine of God, one of those plans is for you to be effectively engaged and active in the body of Christ, defined as the local church. I want to encourage you this week to determine why you go to church. God's Word will give you many reasons. I called out about 30 scriptures that I could have presented to you that would have just com kept compounding the point of the value of that. Here's what I'd like to do. Half the church hasn't even heard this sermon, right? More than, little less than half the church hasn't heard this sermon. Here's what you need to do. You need to reach out to them. You need to take it off the Facebook page, or you need to send them a link, or you need to send it to them. You need to invite. But here's what I want us to do. Next week, I'm just going to go back to the past, and let's say, let's talk about a high attendance Sunday. You see, church, we have one of two problems right now. Because I have counted how many people this sanctuary can hold. I know it. 
I've got it in my phone. I know how many of these size rows and how many of these size rows. And we've pretended with when we've done wedding parties or this, that, and the other. I mean, people, can you sit on a row? We've actually measured or estimated the average width of a person. So you can figure out, how many people can you fit in this sanctuary? Let me tell you what, church. We've got one of two problems. Problem number one is, is we got plenty of room. Look around. Gaps, 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 gaps. We've got plenty of room. That's the problem. And if everybody comes, we have a different problem. We have no room. Can you imagine what this looks like? If all 637, I'll give those 56 people a pass. If all 637 of us decide on one Sunday, we're going to be here. You know, statistics are everywhere. People think regular church, when I was growing up, regular church attendance was every Sunday and Wednesday. Now we've gotten to a point where if we come on Sunday, Wednesday's optional. Now, I'll tell you what, God's moving on Wednesday nights here. It was a great time on Wednesday. Let me tell you one of the greatest things I have ever seen was on Wednesday night when we had our business meeting. We had over 200 people in the room and no questions. They didn't come because of an issue. They came because of God. That's pretty fun. But now, faithful attendance has become two out of four. Three out of four. Now you just say, well, Jeff, you just define faithful attendance as long as I see your face once every 60 days. Right? I mean, church, let's raise the bar. And all I want you to do is not allow me to talk you into coming to church. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. What I'm here to tell you is that God's Word says that He has something for you. And one of the many ways He's going to reveal that to you is when we come together as an active, effective, engaged body of believers. So church, next Sunday, I want to see all of you here. And then next Sunday... I want to reach out, and I want you to reach out to bring the people that aren't here, here. Let's see what God can do when we are obedient. Amen? This is not a numbers grab. This is a biblical power play. You know, I just know what a power play is, right? If you follow hockey, power play is when you have more people on the ice than they have on the ice. And it is an absolute advantage to be in a power play. Remember I talked a couple of weeks ago, or last week really, about the impact of 2%. Do you know that if all 637, or we get those 56, 693, and we grow, because if you're new here, and you've never turned in the yellow sheet, you're not even part of the numbers we're counting, which means we're bigger than that. We all faithfully come together. You talk about a power play. In this community, the power of God being on display because of the effective coming together of the body of believers of First Baptist Church. Scripture has said people will come to know Jesus. And you're going, Jeff, what about the space problem? For starters, I've learned a long time ago, I don't fix problems that aren't problems yet. But let me tell you this. The way to fix the space problem is not being disobedient to Jesus. 
Let's be obedient to Jesus and let's see how God chooses to fix our obedience. Amen?